So today is my privilege to introduce our speaker for today here at Encounter, Dr. Sammy Wayoni. And I want to tell you, um, Sammy is the founder of Shine Ministries. He also does Merge Twin Cities. He is originally from Kenya, but lives in the greatest neighborhood in Waconia, which is my neighborhood, our neighborhood. So that's how I know him. I actually sat on my front porch with him about two summers. Hey, listen up. Sat on my porch with him about two summers ago, and he told me his story. And he shared his passion, um, how God has worked in his life, and I truly do believe that God has something for each of you in Sammy's message this morning. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to welcome Sammy up here. So if you pray with me. Dear God, I just thank you um, for a chance to encounter you, God, that you have each of us here for a reason today. And so I just pray um, that your Holy Spirit fills this space. God, I pray that we have ears and eyes and hearts and minds that are open to um, hear and see and know and claim whatever it is that you have for each of us. So God, bless Sammy as he speaks, bless this time, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, welcome Sammy up here with me. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Miss Lindsay. It's such a joy to be here at Southwest, uh, the greatest Christian school on this part of town, isn't it? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, as you heard, my name is Sammy, and uh, um, I grew up in a small village in Kenya. How many of you have been to Kenya? Oh, one person has been to Kenya. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a bit of quick Kenyan experience, and then we're going to delve into what we have to share this morning. Uh, but I want to teach you how to say hello in Swahili. Uh, maybe my friend there knows. Uh, do you know how to say hello in Swahili? Oh, oh, well, that's one way of saying it, uh, but I'm going to teach you a more formal way. Uh, he said sasa, which means, you know, like, how are things right now, right? Uh, that's kind of the casual street way of saying hello. Uh, but there is a formal way where you say hujambo. So I want you to repeat after me. Can you say hujambo? Aha, uh -huh, perfect. And then to answer or to respond, you say um, in plural, you say, hatujambo. <laughs> you are doing great. Uh, but in, if you're just one person, you say, si jambo. Can we say that again? Si jambo. Ah, uh, you are doing great so far. Now, part of the, one of the other street smart ways of saying hello, you say, sasa. You know, so can you say, sasa. Now, all the young people will be like, Sasa. So like all of you, if you are Kenyans, you'll be saying Sasa, you know, which is kind of a quick way of saying hello or hi. Um, and the response is poor. Can you say poor? Which translated will be like, it's cool, you know. So all of you are cool this morning, and I'm grateful to God uh, for you. Now, um, I, I grew up in Kenya, as you heard. Uh, in a small village, and while there, uh, I heard a voice from God. I believe it was God speaking to me, and I want to believe that this morning, for some of you, this is a very important day because God is going to speak to you. God is going to challenge your heart this morning as you are seated in this place. I was a young person just like you are. At that time, I was 14 years old when uh, the Lord began to challenge me 
I came across a little pamphlet, and on this pamphlet was written a phrase. It said this, come, help, change the world. Come, help, change the world. Now, you have to understand the kind of background in which I was in that moment. Because for one, unlike you, I, I wasn't cool. I wasn't dressed in nice clothes. I didn't have cool shoes or, you know, a smartwatch. Those days, there was no internet. Uh, there was very little that was going on. We had no cars. Where I grew up, uh, the mode of transportation was bicycles. Uh, bicycles were not for leisure, they were a mode of transport. And here was God speaking to me, saying, Sammy, come, help, change the world. Now, I meditated on that for a while, and it, it began to stir up in my heart. What was God saying when he said, come, help, change the world? My world at that point was a few villages that I knew. It was like, you know, I knew Chaska, and I knew Victoria, and I knew Waconia, and I knew Eden Prairie. That was kind of the world. We had mountains that surrounded us, and so the whole world was the horizon of the mountains that we saw. And yet here was God speaking to me through this little pamphlet saying, Sammy, Come, help, change the world. Some of you are seated here and you're wondering what your purpose is in life, what the future holds, why you exist, why you are in this place, why you are in a Christian school. And I want to suggest something, that God, through all of this, is saying to some of us here, come, help, change the world. Now, for me, that call began to translate into action. I began to pray and to seek the face of God. And I began to pursue him so that I can understand the full width and breadth and height and depth of this world that God was calling me to change. And I began to, to investigate and to read and to inquire and to pray and to pursue God. I remember as a teenager thinking to myself, okay, God wants me to change the world. I believe it is possible. Even though I had nothing, we had no piggy banks, you know. And here was God saying, come, help, change the world. So I began to cultivate this passion and this call to go help change the world through prayer, through reading the Word of God, through reading books and biographies of people that have changed the world in significant ways. And did you know that our world is constantly in need of change and transformation? God is trusting us, and God is looking to you as a young person, as somebody that he has invested his life in, to think and to dream his dreams and to pursue those dreams. When I came to be 18 years old, you know, I told God, God, I'm ready to go to the world. I'm ready to go change the world that you have called me to. 
as I graduated from high school. And so I remember one day coming to my parents and telling them, Dad, Mom, God has called me to go change the world. I'm headed to the biggest city that I know, Nairobi. And they said, how are you going to get there? How are you going to go? I said, God has called me. I believe him. I trust him. I'm going to go. And so I left this little village that I had, I had lived in and known. And for, I, I went away 400 miles away. I had one dollar in my pocket, but I was believing that God was going to use that one dollar to change the world. And guess what? As I trusted God and began to follow him, God began to do miracles and provisions and signs and wonders. In fact, I have a picture here that I want to show you because, um, you know, from that, those steps in the little village, those steps, one led to the next and then to the next, and then to the next. And by the grace of God, you know, I've been to 24 different countries sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with sometimes thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, like, you know, on the left there in, in a country of India, or up there in the Congo, and bottom there is that's Rwanda, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or the next slider that I have there, right here in our own backyard of Minneapolis in Minnesota, I mean, uh, 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 here in St. Paul. You see, the last two years, as the Twin Cities has been going through a lot of heartache and pain and confusion and brokenness, the need for sharing the gospel has been heightened. The need for us to be change agents for the kingdom of God has been, um, has been heightened to a, in a great way. And God is looking to us to step up, to step out and to step up to be the people that speak hope, that speak life, that speak joy, that speak transformation, that live out the call on our lives. And may I suggest to you this morning uh, that the call of God is not for old people. It's not for babies or, you know, it's for everybody and especially young people. In fact, the Apostle John, he tells us in the, gospel, in, the, in the book of John, he says, I write to you young people because you have overcome the evil one. You have conquered the enemy. And when you are young like you are, you see, God entrusts you with strength and he entrusts you with passion. He entrusts you with confidence. And that is the confidence that he's calling forth. That we can be people that go out and change the world. For me, the way that he has called me to change the world is to be an evangelist. Now, some of you, God will call you to change the world in many ways. Some of you are going to be great business leaders. But even as a business leader of the future, God calls you to change the world for the kingdom. Some of you are going to be professors and teachers. And even then, God calls you to change the world. You see, I, I kept seeing changed lives through baptisms and, you know, transformations as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people locally and around the world. And I rejoice in God's power and grace. 
while so many years ago I was in a place like you might be today, you know, limited and wondering how you can change the world with the power of God. You see, because I took steps of obedience and began to move, God has been making all things possible. God has been making all things possible. I want to reference the book of Isaiah chapter uh, 6 from verse 1 through verse 8 uh, because Isaiah, he demonstrates his own call and response to the call of God on his life. And from that, I want to share a few keys for us, uh, especially as young people being in this, uh, where we are today, how we can cultivate our response so that we can truly change the world when the time comes. A world that is broken with COVID, a world that is broken with, you know, um, nation against nation, a world that is broken by identity crisis, a world that is, you know, in turmoil in various ways. And our politics can fix it, our parents can fix it, our friends can fix it, our relationships can fix it, only God can. And some of you might be here feeling broken today. You see, there is hope from the Word of God. Maybe your parents made you come to a Christian school and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know why I'm here. But God is here to meet with you. So this is what Isaiah says in chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died. That tells us that there is crisis happening here. Somebody that is significant has just died. And in those days, when a king dies, the people will be like, what are we going to do? Everything depends and relies on the king. And it felt a little bit like what we feel today. For Isaiah, it was a precarious moment. And so he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So he ran off into the temple because it was a precarious moment. But while he's there in the temple, he sees God seated on the throne. Above the throne stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. So he tells us that there were these angelic creatures that were standing in the presence of God above the throne room. And these angels were flying around and they had their wings that, you know, they covered their feet, they covered uh, their faces and they flew with two. Verse three, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. 
your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go. Now we see a few things here in this passage that I want to highlight for us here this morning. Uh, and I hope that you know you, you can remember this uh, because they are very important. Number one, acknowledge that the world is in trouble. Acknowledge it is in crisis. It is part of being able and being positioned to be able to change the world in which we live. Now, I know some of us don't think much about it. Maybe you don't, you know, we are, we are, we are playing Nintendo and, you know, we are hanging out with friends and we are doing all kinds of things and who cares about the world? But did you know that God has called us to care about the world around us? And as young people, he has entrusted us with strength, with ability, with courage to be able to make a difference. And so believe that God can use you to make a difference in the world. The second thing is this. See God in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the confusion. See God and his plan for your life and for the world around you. In Swahili, we say Hakuna Matata, right? Some of you have watched Lion King, and there's that place where Pumpa, um, they sing Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata, right? Hakuna Matata. When you see God seated on the throne, Hakuna, Hakuna, Hakuna Matata, because God is seated on the throne. When Isaiah saw God, seated on the throne, he felt inside of him that hakuna matara, which means no worries, no worries, no anxieties. Some of you may be struggling with anxiety in your life, and you're worried and concerned about things. Guess what? God wants you to see him this morning because he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Bible calls him the lion. He is the Simba. And when you see the majesty of God, you know, I encourage you to travel to Africa and get to see real lions in the wild. You know, one of these days, visit Kenya, all right? Take a safari when you can. Go on a mission and get a chance to go see the lions. They do not worry. They lie there under the trees and they kind of relax and they know nobody's going to do anything because they are the lion after all. And when you see God, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when Isaiah sees God, he goes, Hakuna Matada. Because God is seated on the throne. Now there's something else that happens there, you know. Isaiah begins to recognize his own role in God's plan for the world around him. And it becomes even more vivid after he hears God say, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And so from this, we see an invitation that ensues. First of all, he sees God's glory. 
you know, and holiness. He sees God's glory and holiness. And, you know, I have a few slides ahead there. He sees God's glory and holiness manifested as these angels and angelic beings are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And no matter how hopeless and sinful the world looks, God, the true and righteous king, is always seated on the throne. See, two years ago when we had the riots happening in town, I remember just two days in and um, we were praying for the city. And my wife and I and our kids, you know, we'll pray every night, God, help change Minneapolis and St. Paul. God, please send your grace over us, over these twin cities. And then God challenged us and he said, why don't you go down there and speak hope to people? And I remember me and my 10-year-old son at that point, now he's uh, he just turned 12, you know, we decided, okay, let's go downtown Minneapolis. And that night there had been riots and things had been broken and all of that and and we said, we're going to go, and we're going to be messengers of hope in this environment. And so we got there early morning, and the fires were still going, and the sirens were on, and the water was everywhere. And we had brought some brooms, and we began to help sweep the place. We wanted to help change our world, our Twin Cities. And while there, you know, began to pray over the Twin Cities, and as we were praying, God's spirit spoke to us. He said, you know what? This is going to be a seed for revival. This is going to be a seed for an awakening over the Twin Cities. And God is going to raise up young people from here that are going to change America, that are going to change the world, that are going to impact their generation for the glory of God. And may I dare suggest that many of them are seated in this room this morning. And so we, we are sharing, we, we began to share the gospel at 38th and Chicago. And every week I'll be there sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? God was working because we began to see people, some of them angry, some of them sad, some of them broken. They would come and they would give their lives to Jesus Christ right there at the George Floyd place. And God was moving and turning lives and changing hearts because he is God who heals those that seek after him. And so God is seated on the throne. No matter how broken, no matter how sinful, no matter how dead our world is. And he's counting on us to see this vision of himself. Then one of the next things that happens is that, you know, the invitation involves repentance. Now, repentance is when you turn your life around 180 degrees from where you were. If you were headed, you know, um, east, you turn and you go west. That is called repentance. And the Bible reminds us that we have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. We are all broken in our lives. And so we got to come to this place of repentance. For Isaiah, when he hears the voice of God saying, or the angel saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He goes, whoa, I am a man of unclean lips. 
I say all kinds of things. I, I, I delve in things that are impure, things that are not holy, that are not pleasing to God. And I am praying today, Lord, have mercy on me. And when he cried out to God in repentance, in that moment, we are told that one of the angels took the call of fire and touched his lips. And he said, this has touched your lips. Now you are clean. Now fire in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit of God. And if you want to change the world, you've got to be touched by the fire of God on your life. By the fire of the Holy Spirit. In Joel 2.28, the Bible tells us that in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. And young men and young women shall see visions. You see, for me as a young person, God began to give me a vision of the world. That is how come I stand here with you today. He gave me a vision to take the good news to the ends of the earth. And I began to pray that vision to come about. And as I sanctified myself, as I set myself apart for his glory and for his honor, God began to make that come to pass. And the Bible reminds us that in the last days, young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams, because God is going to pour out his mighty spirit. And so for Isaiah, it begins with that place of repentance and being touched by the fire of God and then being declared pure before God. Then what happens next? Next, he is told to go. He's told to go. When he hears God saying, who will go for us? Whom shall I send to the world? You know why? He can hear God clearly now because he's been cleansed, he's pure, and he's no longer just over there. He is part of the council of heaven. And did you know that majority of the things that happen on earth that are wrong is because we as followers of Jesus don't always understand the authority, the dominion, the place that we have been given in the affairs of the world as sons and daughters of God, and so we come, we fall short. But when we understand and we walk in the wisdom like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, you know, God gives us great wisdom and is able to open doors of influence for our lives because we trust him and we follow him. Isaiah heard the voice, uh, the, 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 the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? For me, I had it when I had that pamphlet, Come, Help, Change the World. And I want to extend an invitation to you, you know? I want to extend an invitation to you here at Southwest Christian to come, help, change your world. Come, help, change the Twin Cities. Come, help, Reach your neighbor, your friends, your, your, the people around you. I have a short video here that summarizes some of the work that we've been doing. In our own Twin Cities, there is a movement called Merge Twin Cities. And, you know, we are praying for the healing of the Twin Cities, for the transformation of the Twin Cities, for the glory of God to engulf 
the Twin Cities. And you know, part of the events we were doing at the State Capitol last year uh, was to help fund this movement of hope for our own city and for America. And I want to invite you as young people to be part of this movement. I want to invite you to pray for what God is wanting to do in our city and beyond. I want to invite you to take time to pursue him, to seek him, to call on his name. In fact, on March 17th, for some of you that may be available, we are having a prayer gathering at, uh, it will be held at Calvary Lutheran in, uh, in um, Golden Valley in the evening. You know, we're going to have uh, some guest artists, you know, like you saw. We had Chandler Moe and Tasha Cobbs and, you know, KB and others. Some of you are big fans of some of these artists. Uh, on that night, we'll have, you know, some of the worship leaders are well-known. And we're inviting you to come out, you know, at uh, Calvary in Golden Valley. Join us because we're going to have others from across the city that are saying enough is enough. We want to see transformation happen in our world. But right now, I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want to extend an invitation for you. You see, Isaiah, as he listens to God, he hears God say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I'm inviting us to pray a radical prayer. Prayers that change the world. There's one Christian leader back in the day, he was called John Knox. He prayed, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. And Paul in the scriptures, he says, War is me if I do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He also, when he encounters Jesus, he says, Lord, what will you have me do? And that is the simple thing that I want you to consider. I want you to ask Jesus right now and say, Lord, what will you have me do? When you open yourself up to Christ in that way, he's going to use your life in amazing ways. So I invite you just to extend your hands like this as I pray for you today. And I want you to pray, say, Lord. Can you repeat after me? Say, Lord, what will you have me do? Father, we extend our hands out in faith this morning. And I want to pray for these young people that as they hear your word, as they hear your call to come help change the world, your Holy Spirit will impart in them the wisdom, the grace, the responsiveness that comes from on high and is inspired by your spirit. We give you thanks, we give you glory, and we give you praise this morning for you are faithful. In Jesus' gracious name, we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for having me.